Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you need more information on the things that we are doing here at Park Hills, sermon series, podcasts, other things, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. You okay, Chris? Yeah, I'm good. It's been, I think. A, long, been a long week, and it's only Wednesday morning, you know. It always is a long week. We have these amazing moments in the Gospels <laughs> that are just so cool to talk about. And yet, the question we ask ourselves is, how much of this do we need to talk about? So, yeah, it's been a long week, but a good week. Let's talk about it. We got a couple things to talk about on the podcast. This is... Dealing with the, you know, the Mark 6, the the whole Jesus sending out the disciples and then the death of John the Baptist. Uh, we got two different aspects. So the sending out of the, of the disciples, the two by two, I talked about the rules, right? The rules of engagement. You're not allowed anything besides a staff. You're not allowed any extra money, no extra tunic, you know, none of these things. Just sandals, staff, go get them, tiger. Yeah, and uh, I was sitting there as you were preaching, paying attention. (laughs) We don't need to lie for the podcast. No, really, really, really I was. I'm kidding with you, yeah. But um, the the whole idea that Jesus said that the the disciples, he basically told them, you guys are ready, you know, to go out Mm -hmm. and do this. But instead of, here's your packing list of all the things I want you to bring to make sure you can deal with all kinds of situations you might run into, I actually want you to take virtually nothing. I want you to take less than you would normally carry on a trip and go out. And, and, you know, as you made the point in the message, part of this was this vulnerability that then, especially in their culture, as they come into town with nothing, they're a traveler, there's this presumption of hospitality to those that they're coming to, which makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense. And if the town doesn't receive them, move away, because the town is actually not living up to their own cultural, um, really, mandate to to be hospitable to, to travelers coming in. Now, he was giving them a pretty amazing message at the same time, um, but as in, in clearly some towns rejected because previously to this, you know, they were like, hey, who is this Jesus guy? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not interested. But um, we know from the story that they were effective in some areas and most likely they were turned away. But I zeroed right in because, you know, I like to do some camping, some biking, some things like this. And we're all about this idea, like, here's my checklist of the things I need to be able to deal with whatever situation comes up. Yeah. And so we're getting ready for this men's hike, and there's this whole list of gear. We need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Some of it we bring we, we hope we'll never use, but we always have enough to provide us this idea of security that should something happen, I can handle it. I can take care of it. We're good. Jesus stripped literally all that away from them. And that's a, it really hit me then when I was thinking about the bike ride, because you and I have talked a little bit You know, last summer when I was mm-hmm. riding uh, for about a month. Um, something happens with people when they see you on a bike loaded down with gear, especially if it's rainy or towards the end of the day, they'll just pull over on the side of the road and like, hey, do you need anything? Or you roll into town and everyone like kind of jumps up like, how can I help you? Right. What? Because you're, you're giving this presence of this is all I've got. 
basically I'm a homeless guy on a bike and you can tell, and now I've done a bunch of other riding where I've had just my bike sure. and I'm finding you don't get any of that response. In fact, people are probably more annoyed that we're walking in and, you know, you know, in their town and we don't smell that good maybe, you know, cause it's been a hot day, whatever, Sure. but you don't get that same reaction. Um, and so that was just like really impressed upon me. Like, yeah, Jesus set these guys up. Mm-hmm with the opportunity to have conversations of why don't you have a second tunic? Totally. Right. Why are you here? What's going on? Because we experienced that just on a daily basis when I was on this ride. Uh, and then it's so foreign for our, for our culture. Um, our, our Western cultures, you know, we want to be prepared for everything. Right. We're going to bring, you know, you go on a, a three day trip and you've got your car loaded with every possible thing you could use or need, or you just go, I got a credit card, I got some cash, I can deal with whatever's going on. And we try to reduce risk, reduce the chance of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet that's not what Jesus did. Mm-mm. And and I think in our lives, it would be so helpful for us to really take on that vulnerable um, aspect of the mission. Instead of having everything or even having ourselves in a mental position where like, I have everything I need. I don't have to worry about it. Maybe we need to step back to be more vulnerable because that is, it is something that people can perceive. And in that context, we have the opportunity probably to share the gospel in a much more powerful way. You know, even the idea of like, hey, I rely on God for everything uh, and my Discover card and my bank account (laughs) and I got a spare tire and I got a pretty decent car that's running, and I got a full tank of gas. I got an app to tell me this. I got, you know, but when you're just kind of out there by yourself, mm-hmm. it does present a different aura and a different idea of just what faith is. And so, now how do you bring that back away from camping and, and bike riding and things? I think it's this vulnerability that is, if we want to be effective in sharing the message of the gospel, if we want to be effective in sharing um, who Jesus really is, we have to be able to be vulnerable, maybe go to places that we're not comfortable going to or be in positions where, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but I do know that the Lord has sent me here and I'm going to proclaim the gospel. And in that context, he's got this covered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different mindset than we deal with more often than not. Yeah, it's a totally different mindset. And Part of why it's a different mindset for us is we also live in a culture that's a little less hospitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were really overwhelmingly surprised with how hospitable people were to the point where we talked about in a previous episode, you got really excited about how do we bring this back? How do right. we get people to take part of warm showers, right? How do we how do we get people to think? And ironically, a lot of the folks that you bumped into weren't Christians, and they were more hospitable than some of the Christians that we know. Exactly. And I should I should just remind folks, if there weren't if that warm showers comment, it's actually an app for mm-hmm. long-distance cyclists where you sign up and you can go, um, you basically, you, you send them a text, and then they will house you in their house, and their requirement is they have to provide you at least a warm shower, mm-hmm. but they usually give you food and just great opportunities to interact with them, yeah. And it's just dedicated for these long-distance yeah. bicyclists because they know they're vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. which is really cool yeah. and, and amazing, that this amazing little moment where you've got this chance. But you're watching people be hospitable. What's ironic is in the, in the ancient Near East, this was mandatory. I mean, right. n- nobody questioned whether you would take somebody in. So we have these moments in the scriptures where individuals are walking into a new town. And part of the reason why this event occurs or why this curse comes upon them is because they're not hospitable. 
right? I mean, the the whole lot or, you know, the Hebrew lot would be his name. But these two visitors show up in a town. Lot takes them in and runs them into his house and says, you don't want to be out there at night. That's a sign that they're not living out the mandate that God gave them. Right. And so what's ironic is here, Jesus is saying, I know how people are supposed to be. So I'm sending you out with nothing. They're supposed to take care of you. If they don't, dust off your, your sandals to them. That, that's really cool that there was just this expectation of you're going to take people in. Even if you don't agree with them, even if they're not like your best, best friends or whatever, you're going to just welcome them and take them in. And Jesus is putting them in this moment of faith. Do I trust God enough that he's going to provide my meals, provide everything I need? And at the same time, uh, I'm going into villages that should be living up to this expectation. And if they're not, that's a further sign that they're not with God. They're not doing what God would want. Right, right. And I think we build up imaginary walls of what we think may happen. And let me explain that. The, I would say the vast majority of the homes I stayed in had very different political views, um, very different views on faith and church. We always got to those conversations. But if you were to do a caricature of, of who these people are, we might go, I, I don't know if I would want to talk to them. They're going to bring up this or they're going to bring up that, and I might be uncomfortable. But the hospitality that they showed, which was a response to the vulnerability that we were in, allowed us just to have really conversations. I was able to hear from them. They heard from me. And I think that's the whole point of this mission, right? right. He was sending them out to go share a message, and they weren't even responsible for how the message was completely being received. So they, all those barriers were taken away by Jesus. And I think that's just something we have to think about, how we can become that way. Get rid of the barriers and just share who Jesus is. Share the gospel. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for the increase, or if there's no increase, and we just move on. And it was almost this dispassionate, like, hey, if they're not going to receive you, you don't have to get all you know cranky about it. You just move on. Right. Right. And so that's, that's, I think, something that we miss in our culture. Um, I would love to see that happen more and more where we have take that vulnerable vulnerability um, out into the community and have these great conversations with folks. I learned so much about people. They learned about who I was. They learned about uh, my faith because it was, that was one of the points of this trip that I was on. But I, my life was enriched just from knowing them and some great friendships did develop out of all of the different folks we met. Mm-hmm. It, that's, I think I was blessed by so many of the stories that you shared. You know, we broke your sabbatical rules and we had lunch about a week before you were done. There were things that we needed to talk yeah, about, yeah. like Pastor Mark was going to leave. And Something like that, yeah. We needed to discuss staffing and some of those things. But on that lunch... I loved watching your eyes light up and how excited you were just to share. Look at how this this trip would have never worked if I wasn't welcomed in by these individuals. And in so many ways, that's a great analogy or allegory to what Jesus is doing here, mm-hmm. right? If you're not opening your heart to him and his disciples, you're missing the whole point, and it's going to go really badly for you. So I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the exact opposite of hospitality is the second H that we're going to deal with in this episode. Um, Herod? Yes, Herod. Wait, are we talking about the Herod or all of the Herods? Let's talk about all the Herods, but let's start with the Herod. So you say the Herod. Which one are you talking about? Well, What do you, you know, mean by that? We get to start off with this guy, um, uh, Herod the Great, which is interesting. I wonder if he gave himself that name. He did. He did. Oh, that's 
That's wonderful. Humility is not um, strong in his household. Well, that's perhaps. one of the H's he does not practice. Humility or hospitality. <laughs> he does none of that. <laughs> right. So, you know, we, we talked about this early on in Mark where this is the Herod who was so paranoid. I think I, yeah, I did the message there. We talked about a paranoid tyrant mm-hmm. um, where his reaction to, hey, the new king has been born, king of the Jews. He says, oh, I should probably kill all the children so this doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Um, he's got real problems. So that's, you know, Herod the Great. And then he had a whole bunch of kids, right? Yep. Some survived his reign. Some did not uh, because he was paranoid and had them killed. Great dad. Terrible. Um, And then we're in this context here where now it's his kids that are spread out, right? Sure. Yeah. So let's break that down for a minute. And, you know, I threw up this graphic during the sermon. You can find this really easily. Just go on Google and type in the family of Herod and you'll start to see so Herod's father uh, was an Idumean ruler. His name is Antiper or Ant- Antipater the uh, second, and he had a bunch of kids. You know, Joseph, Ferraris, and Sol- Salome, and Fasiel, which is a great name to name a kid. Uh, and Herod was his son, who was so full of himself, partly because he 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 was an amazing warrior. I mean, we didn't talk about this when we were in Israel, but Mount Arbel has all these little caves pocked into the side of it. And one of the rebellions against the, this Idumean king, Antiper, or Antipater, uh, they, the shepherd sort of hid in, the, in those caves and would like pick off uh, Herod's troops as time went off. And Herod became famous because he told his troops to wrap a rope around him and drop him all over the mm-hmm. cliff. And he took a, a shepherd's hook and pushed it in the cave, grabbed people, and threw them over the cliff yeah, like that. Great, just wonderful just guy. An, so he became famous <laughs> for this. And he was in really, really good shape. He was he actually was basically like an Olympic athlete, which is not the same as what he becomes later on in life. But he just becomes this really f- infamous bad guy who has Idumean roots. And the word Idumean comes from the word Edom. So you remember the story of, you know, Jacob and Esau, the other word for Esau, which means red is Edom, which means red. So the Edomites are set over just to the east of Israel and they're set there. They don't like each other. Israel and Edomites don't like each other. And that goes all the way back to the Jacob Esau, you know, struggle, all that kind of stuff. So you can imagine he's already not an Israelite. He's Idumean. His mother is Israelite, I believe. His father's Idumean. They don't like him. And so in order to make people like him, he builds all these amazing monuments. And most of them are to himself, which doesn't make people like him more. But he also sets up an amazing port, mm-hmm. Caesarea Maritima, which is beautiful. Uh, he sets up, you know, all these little fortresses that he builds, Masada, Herodium. Uh, there's a number of other ones. But to, in order to make the Jews love him, he takes the temple and makes it one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I mean, he just pushes it to a level. And we've, we've walked on the Temple Mount. It's huge, right? Yeah, it, it's amazing because you think um, when you can see the landscape around it and what it yep. would have looked like. And he basically just leveled the top of this mountain, which he had done, what, several other places, yep. right? He's yep. like, he, for him, his idea of like, hey, I think I'm going to tear that mountain down and I'm going to build something over here yep. was not, you know, foreign to him. Um so yeah, he he did an am, an amazing amount of work. He was a really really smart guy, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he had a problem. Tons of problems, right? And and one of those is he he was getting it all wrong, mm-hmm. right? He was building things for himself and building things to make people like him, but he was not really welcoming the Lord in. Even to the point when he finds out that a new king was born, he slaughters a bunch of babies in Bethlehem, right? Which is a great move. Great move. Yeah. I, I think if 
uh, if any president of ours decided to keep his reign, he was just going to wipe out a bunch of babies, even in a small town. That probably wouldn't go over very well the next election cycle. And and the the lunacy of the whole thing, and I use that word intentionally, is that even if it was a baby, he's king. I mean, it's not like you're going to have a toddler who's going to be reigning. He was so insecure, I think, of not just his position, but his family's position. He wanted his name to be known and name to be great for centuries. Because that's all that, you know, everything he built was of a very permanent status where well, we're walking on it. What? A couple thousand years afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, and we're still looking at this is amazing. So his, his level of, uh, or lack of understanding went to a level that most people, um, probably or wouldn't deal with because we have some semblance of humility. I don't know that he had that in him at all. No. And he yeah. became incredibly wealthy because of all this. Right. So, I mean, well, I should say some of his wealth actually paid for the temple, but these fortresses that he built and the fact that he, because of Idumea being just to the east of Israel, there's a trade route that goes along the, the Jordan River. And then he basically w- collected all those. And so then all the tax collectors we read about are all connected to him. So he's collecting taxes from the tax collectors, sending some of it to Rome, keeping most of it for himself, becoming unbelievably wealthy. And because uh, there's no other way to get to Egypt yep. besides going through there. If you're coming from the Spice Road, if you're, you know, India and China, if you're bringing things from there, silk and spices, no other way through. So he's becoming incredibly wealthy and then he dies somewhat prematurely. Uh, he's not a super old man. He's a very overweight and kind of a gross man, but he doesn't trust his kids. He's killed a couple of them because that's a great move to do. And uh, what he does, because he had five different wives, all of them had multiple children and he wipes out a bunch of his kids, but he leaves four of them in charge of the kingdom and breaks it into four parts and none of them get along. And that's probably not what we talked about in the sermon to the point where one of them divorces his wife and his brother marries it. The wife, not a good situation, ugly. So most of the Herod stuff that you hear about in the gospels is actually Herod's children. Right. And then to go one step further for this, because we don't want to get totally lost in the family tree for this podcast. Cause I can already feel people falling asleep as they're listening to this. Uh, the, most of the people that you deal with in the book of acts at least through Acts 12 are Herod's grandchildren. And then his great grandchildren are the final book, final chapters of Acts. So when you're talking about Agrippa, the second, which would be Acts 25, Berenice, which um, was a child of Agrippa, the first Drusilla and Acts 24, all of those individuals that just show up as names, we connect those. Those are great grandchildren of Herod, the great, Right. So his children have this kingdom. They don't agree with each other. They have children. One of them sort of takes over. And then by the time you get to Agrippa the second, which is Acts 25 and 26, he has now he's still a tetrarch until 44, a 48 AD. And in 48 AD, he takes over as king of, of, of Judah again over the whole thing. So most of what you sense here is like there's this this big family that's just sort of the mafia of Israel Mm -hmm. and they're in charge. Uh, And they're doing so at the behest of the Roman empire. The Roman empire is fine with them being there because they're keeping peace. They're making everybody happy. And so whenever you read the name Herod, the reason why I wanted to talk about this briefly is the name Herod doesn't always mean Herod the great. It's a family name. He, because he was so full of himself and lacked humility and lacked hospitality, like we said, right? Mm-hmm. The two H's he doesn't do. He basically names the family after himself. So similar to today, if you, um, you know, the house of Windsor 
are the the line of the kings and queens of, of England. That's actually the House of Hanover from Germany. They changed the name. Uh, for some reason, the Germans weren't super popular yeah, in the, some, some the 1920s. Uh, right. It became even less popular in the 1940s. Uh, for some, I just something happened. I don't remember what. But similar to that, the House of Hanover is actually their family name, and then the House of Windsor is what they go by now. In the same way, that'd be the House of Herod. Mm-hmm. So, so they sort of became like synonymous with the name King, right? You're oh, you're a Herod. I know what that means. You're in the royal line. You're going to help run the show. So, the point is, and this this kind of ties up this episode well. The, what Jesus is asking his disciples to do is to go seek hospitality and really be humble enough to trust that the Lord's going to take care of them and do their thing. At the same time, the other H of the story, Herod, is doing the exact opposite of those things. His children follow in his footsteps. His grandchildren follow in his footsteps. His great-grandchildren follow in his footsteps. And they all fit into this motif of the Roman empire, this, this prideful, arrogant, we're in charge, you have to listen to what we're saying. And it's amazing from this podcast to the next episode that's going to come out, the the difference between these people and Jesus. Yeah. And I think the context for us, the thing to, that might bring it home for us today is we could think about um, why didn't Jesus just go to Herod mm. and explain? Why didn't he say, yeah, I know, you know, your dad tried to kill me as a child. I'm here. Why didn't he reveal the scriptures to them? Mm. I think what we have to realize is that there is a hardness of heart that was being transferred from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. It was being distorted. It was money. It was power. It was insecurity that, you know, in following the Lord's will, but it was security that they were trying to find through Rome and through money and the things that were built, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we could, that context today, you hear this sometimes, like we need to change the government. We need to change this. We need to go approach the powers that are in power and try to change their hearts. That's a difficult thing to do. And the message that Jesus was leading out here is like, no, 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 we're going to start this at the ground level. We're going to go to the people who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go there first because the people in power hear about this. If you were to go back and then go, you know, even, you know, from Herod the Great to all the, of the, his um, children, they all had interactions with the Messiah, with his message, and they all kept turning away. Yep. You know, there, there was little sparks of interest, like, oh, I'm really interested in what John the Baptist is saying, but never to the point of faith. You know, and so his message was go to the people. Mm-hmm. Go to the ones that really need to hear it, the lost sheep of Israel, and let's let's go there, pr- proclaim the good news, and that's where the message should go. To me, that I think that's important for us to think about. Yeah, I think that's fantastic and a great way to end this podcast and, and then also deal with that question that we grappled with in the beginning. How are you showing hospitality? Are you living this out today? <laughs>